0: Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophets Speak. Today we continue our study of the first book of Kings, that is Malachim Aleph. We are in the middle of chapter 20. In the f- the first half of this chapter, we um, <clears throat> read of the incredible victory that Ahab led against the... Uh, Aram, the people of Aram who were led by their very vicious, bloodthirsty, uh, untrustworthy king named Ben-Hadad that had led a huge coalition against the people of Israel and threatened to destroy and burn and crush them simply for the sake of destruction because Ahav had already uh, submitted to him And had already agreed to pay tribute to him, so it wasn't for money. It was simply bent on destruction and killing. But Achav, in a miraculous victory, won uh, and crushed the army of Aram, and they went chased. They went. They ended up going back to Aram, and Ah Achav was being advised in the first half in the first half of this chapter by a navi, a prophet of God. And we finished off last time learning of. The prophet warning Ahab that hang in there because within a year he will be back. Uh, he will come back for vengeance. So Avde Melach Aram omru the servants of the king of Aram, and when after he had retreated in defeat back to his capital in Damascus, his servants said to him as follows, <laughs> Their gods... They looked, it's, it's kind of embarrassing, because they looked at the Israelites and saw that the Israelites had a bunch of gods. They didn't even recognize the Israelites as people of monotheism, which is what they should have been. Their gods are gods of mountains. One only imagines that so many events in the Torah and significant religious events in the history of the Jewish people occurred on mountains, especially the mountain of Sinai. So one would see that the people are oh the, that their god appears to them on mountains, they, they they sacrifice on top of mountains. So um, he's a god who's powerful in mountains. Al kain That's why they were they overpowered us in the last engagement, in the last military engagement. Ulam, however, nilachemitam tambamishar mishar. If we would fight with them in a plain, in their valley, you know, in a level area without mountains. Certainly then we will get we will be stronger than them. And this was the general mode of thinking in those days that certain gods had powers over certain things, and our God is better in the plains. Let's let's get him there. And they advised the king as following to get himself some better leaders. Because remember last time they flopped because the, the kings were partying and getting drunk. And didn't give their, their soldiers orders in time, so they ended up getting surprised. So this time, take down those kings that are leading the, the forces like we did last time, and appoint uh, officers uh, to lead the troops. So at least well, you'll get a, a real military performance, as opposed to a couple of drunken kings sitting around and partying uh, and not understanding anything about military tactics. And how to be ready for battle. And get yourself together an army as big as the army that you lost before, right? Horse for horse, and chariot for chariot. In other words, rebuild the, the lost army. And let's do a rematch, but this time in the plain. Certainly we will be stronger than them, he followed their advice and did exactly as he was advised. It was when the year was changing. Apparently, whatever season this was, um, this was at the time of year that it was uh, good for, the weather conditions were right for, for battle. When Haddad gathered together and, and, and mustered the um, <coughs> people of Aram, al Afekah and he went to Afa Limchama im Israel to wage war against the people of Israel. Uvane Israel and the people of Israel, Haspaktu, they mustered themselves with Khalkalu and they provisioned themselves by Yelchhulik Rasam and they went to uh, against them in battle, to greet them in battle. Baya Knuven Israel and and they camped opposite them, Kishne Hasife Izim, and they looked like <coughs> two flocks of goats. It's, in other words, they were such a small number They looked like just two flocks of goats In comparison to the army of Aram Which filled the entire land The entire area And a man of God Approached So here we have another uh, Navi, another prophet um, Who is uh, coming To inform Achav and he says to the king of Israel and he says as follows so says God because the people of Aram said that God is only a god of mountains and he's not the god of, of the deep of the valleys that's why I am going to put this entire encampment this entire massive army, in your hands and you will all know that I am God period God over everywhere God over everything so they had made this into a theological war and God said I'm not losing this theological war so you have the um, and so the the Navi is telling Achav that God is going to make sure this will that you will win so Achav should walk into this battle knowing that he will win, but he will win because it's for God's honor. And um, each camp was camped opposite each other for seven days. And it was on the seventh day, and the battle broke out between the two groups. And the people of Israel struck down 100,000 foot soldiers of Aram in one day—a massive um, uh, victory. By and the remainder, the the, the refugees, the, the ones who survived the battle, ran towards the city of Afeka, and they sought refuge within the city within the city walls. Vatipol Ha'Choma and the city walls collapsed al esrim veshiva ish upon on top of the 27,000 people that were left whether this the impression is here that it was some kind of miraculous collapse it doesn't say here that the people knocked the walls down ben hadad uh, uh, nus and, uh, and the the uh, king ben hadad himself ran by Avo ear and he came to into the city khader khader in some inner chamber some inner room that somehow didn't get destroyed by the collapsing of the walls Yomre Love and the servants that were with him in this inner chamber of ben hadad said to him he ne we've heard it's known ki israel that the kings of the house of israel that they are kind kings that they are very uh the word often used in translation is magnanimous they are very they're nice people they 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 would they're they're the kinds that might not just kill you with vengeance (laughs) let's try to appeal to him to his merciful side this this uh, uh makes one think that they probably had known of the Episode of Saul and Agag keeping the king of Agag of Amalek alive, so they're thinking, well, maybe they can they can spare our king too. Let's put on sackcloth over, uh, uh, you know, wrapped around our waist, and ropes upon our heads. You know, let's let's dress up in a way that makes us appear humble, that makes us appear like we are uh, w- regret what we've done. And let's go out and greet the king and surrender to him. Maybe he will keep you alive. In other words, right now there's no other hope. If we fight, we're done. And uh, we really don't have any hope. So So they dressed the way they described in sackcloth, and ropes around their head. And they came out to the king of Israel, and they said, your servant Ben Hadad, Omar. They didn't have the king go out right away, afraid, of course, that they, he might just just uh, uh, drop his head off. But instead, the the servants came out first, and and begged him as follows: Your servant Ben Hadad, nafshi. He said, Please let me live, vaomer. And then Ahav's response, and this is very curious, was, Ha'odenu chai? Is he still alive? Ochihu, he is my brother. Now this is a very fascinating response. And it makes one think, why did Ahav respond this way? The, um, w- one logical way for him to have responded, after the way Ben Hadad behaved in such a vicious and ruthless way, Right, would have been to take revenge and kill him, now that Achav had the upper hand. However, Achav saw in Ben Haddad some kinship. He's a guy like me. And as we've seen a little bit so far, and we're going to see more, Achav was a fellow ruthless, murderous man. And Achav sees Ben Haddad as an ally with whom he can work. Ach- they were both idolaters, they were both ruthless murderers. And Achav saw an alliance with Ben Haddad as something that can be very beneficial to him. So, it's a, and, and just the very fact that he saw Ben Haddad as a brother, we will see soon. The prophet of God was very upset with him for doing this. And, 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 and Ahav is going to be punished for this, which we'll see in just a moment. But this reaction is seen by God and told through his prophets to be an extremely bad reaction. Achav should have done what either would have been logical, would have been to kill the king, because that's how you completely and utterly win a battle. And this was a just battle. The Israelites were being attacked. They were threatened with annihilation. Or at least hold him hostage in order to ask the prophet what to do with him. But to say Achihu, he's my brother, when he's this vicious, awful person—the one who said, "I am going to," just telling me that you are my vassal is not enough. I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to take away your women and your children and your riches and everything. This is a vicious man. Achihu, he's my brother, but that's how Achav answered. and achashu, and they these men, verse thirty-three immediately recognized by Himaharu, they understood what's going on here. They understood that Ahav identified with Ben-Hadad. He saw him as an ally that he can use to further his nefarious plans. And they immediately, by Hamimenu, and they understood, what based on the words that he had said, Hamimenu, that which came from him, they said, "Yes, your brother." They immediately switched from your servant Benhadad to your brother Benhadad. He said, "Come, bring it in, uh, bring him to me." And they brought him in. Uh, they brought him out of the room where he was hiding. And they put him up on the king's chariot. So Achav is really groveling to this m- terrible, terrible human being. And putting him in his chariot. And immediately, Vayomere love, Ben Hadad says to Achav, The cities that my father took in battle from your father, Ashiv, I will return them to you. And, um, and you can set up marketplaces for your goods in my capital, Damascus. In the same way, that my father forced upon you markets for his goods in Shomron, you can now sell your goods there. So in other words, this is a good alliance. I'm going to give you back your towns because you're doing me such favor and you can set up markets, sell your goods. This will be a huge way for you to make profit. And I, and, um, and I presumably this is now Achav speaking, I will send you away with a covenant, a a, a covenant meaning an alliance. That's uh, that when we separate, we will have this alliance together. By Lobris and they, they signed an alliance. By Yishachay and he sent him away. Interestingly enough, presumably this alliance is is testified. Uh, we have archaeological evidence of this alliance in the um, in the Kirch uh, monolith, which is in uh, uh, which is a document found in Assyria. Uh, the, Syri- the Assyrian Empire, which was not yet a major force, was in its early days at this time. And the Assyrian Empire, that's Assyrian with an A, uh, was led by Shalmaneser III at around this time. And in this document, which can currently be seen in the British Museum, st- he states there that he waged war against a consortium of kings, and he lists an alliance between ha- Ben Haddad of Aram. And Achav of Israel that were allied against him, so this alliance between them is actually attested to in extra-biblical sources and documents that have been found archaeologically, which is something very interesting. Um, the that the so the ishe mi Okay, so so here he so he makes this alliance, and now one of the people from the the. Uh, the Bnei An-Avi'im, the people, uh, uh, sons of, or students of the prophets, Omar el Ehu, said to one of his friends, in other words, presumably another member of the prophets, or the students of the prophets, I received a prophecy from God, asking me to ask you to hit me, strike me, but the person, despite knowing that he was being told by a prophet, a real true prophet of God, that, that he had to strike him and we'll see in a minute why he wanted him to strike him he says he refused to do it Pr- presumably ah, I can't hit you I'm not the kind of guy that hits people but even though this was a command from God which is something that he should have listened to and he said to him because you didn't listen to the, to the instruction of God you're going to step away from me and a lion will strike you down and that's what happened and a lion found him and struck him down. So then, he finds another man, and he says, "Strike me." This man listened. He struck him down in a way that he was wounded, that he was hurt, and you know, limping. It was obvious that he was a hurt, that he was hurt and injured. The um. The uh, we're gonna see in a moment what's the point of all this. Uh, but um, uh, so here now you have a wounded prophet, who is Veilech um, and the prophet went Vaya'amod laMelach al Hadarach, and he stood at the side of the road, al and he waited for the king by the side of the road. The uh, He's waiting for the king. We're up to verse 39. And the king uh, was passing by. This was after the battle and after he had made this deal with with, uh, Ben haMelech, And he cried out to the king. And he's wearing this disguise that we mentioned before um, that he was uh, covered by, you know, he covered himself up. Your servant, I just came out of the war. And that's, you know, explaining the the reason for his injury. And a person uh, turned towards me, came towards me, and they brought me a man, presumably a captive, maybe an enemy captive. Guard this man and hold him. And he he Because if he... Um, be, gets, gets lost and then I will take your life instead of his he's a very important captive you need to keep guard over him or by a, a really large sum of money you can redeem yourself and I was doing my things I was doing this business and that business and he escaped the guy came back and he wasn't here I totally messed up. I, I missed my job. And the king said to him, You have told me what the verdict is, right? In other words, you're asking me for help in your problem. Listen, man, you messed up. You're, you deserve death or pay your way out. So immediately this prophet pulled the the uh, cloth away from his face And immediately the king recognized him that he was one of the prophets apparently he was a prominent one of the prophets and the king said uh, and I'm sorry and the prophet said to the king so says God because you have set free that man who I had doomed presumably I had doomed to death your soul will be taken, your life will be taken instead of his, and your nation will lose instead of his. In other words, how could you let him go? Remember, Achav let him go because Achav had selfish desires and desires of, of grandeur and felt a kinship with this man who was an absolute. Murderer, an absolutely evil person. Letting such a person go is not being magnanimous and nice. It's being foolish and dangerous. And Achav, instead of responding, instead of saying, I'm sorry, instead of anything, so the king of Israel went back home, upset and disappointed and, and anxious, and he came back to the capital of Shomron. This concludes this chapter. We're going to study more of the uh, events of of Achav and his uh, kingdom in the next chapter. Thank you so much for studying chapter 20 together. Looking forward to studying chapter 21 and this entire book together. Have a wonderful day.